0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash trip for free shipping at 365-day returns.
2: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
1: I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening
0: to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: Hello, folks, and greetings once again from sunny Paris. It is a lovely sunny evening here in the French capital. Wasn't such a sunny morning. In fact, il pleurait des cordes, as uh, as Matt said to the our elderly neighbour as she was struggling to get out of the uh, the front door uh, this morning with her umbrella, uh, while Matt and I were were huddled in the foyer waiting for David to bring the Uber closer than it than it was at that point i was unprepared to journey 50 meters to the uber such was the extent of the rainfall
0: the puddle outside the Mm. flat was a problem as well what 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 does that mean matt well it literally means it's raining ropes
2: it's the equivalent it's the french for it's raining cats and dogs yeah i see and it makes a lot more sense than it's raining cats and dogs let's be honest yeah when you, when you drill down into it, it's raining cats and dogs. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. It was media day today at Roland Garros, folks, and it was brilliant. It was actually one of my favourite ever media days. The quality of the content that we got from the players was was really top-notch. David... Would have found the whole thing top-notch, regardless of the quality of the content. (laughs) Such was his level of pumpedness. Can you confirm, David? Can confirm. Can confirm. Yes, so much pumpedness. David had a wonderful first experience of Roland Garros, of Stade Philippe Chatre, of the brand-new Media Centre. It's all been brilliant, but... We're not going to lead with any of that. Unfortunately, we can't really lead with any of that. We've got to take a trip down politics lane again, folks. You know that
1: piece I was talking about yesterday uh, that we started a Grand Slam, talking about tennis rather than court hearings? Well, that lasted uh, 24 mm. hours and <laughs> we, we now have it. enormous political fallout. Yeah.
2: Yes. Now, rumours were, were abound today at the French Open, pretty much from the moment we arrived on site that... Big news would be breaking at at some point during the day and that big news would relate to Wimbledon's ban of Russian and Belarusian athletes at this year's tournament and the tour's response to that ban. Unsurprisingly, or or certainly in my mind not at all coincidentally the news eventually dropped after Media Day had finished, so after the point at which any of the players could be specifically asked about the news. A couple were asked about it in anticipation of it dropping, and they used the whole look, can't comment on anything until until we know what the landscape is, which is fair enough. Well look, we now do know what the landscape is, and that is that the ITF, the ATP and the WTA will all be denying ranking points at wimbledon this year so the atp for the men's event the wta for the women's event and the itf for the juniors and the wheelchair events was it a joint statement i hear you ask oh no (laughs) they all dropped within an hour of one another so clear coordination but also clear refusal to actually collaborate um and given that sort of the importance of tennis being united being referenced in the, in a number of the statements, um, that feels a bit rich, quite frankly. But anyway, let's drill down into the content of those statements. We had the ATP first. Uh, they said the following. The ability for players of any nationality to enter tournaments based on merit and without discrimination is fundamental to our tour. The decision by Wimbledon to ban Russian and Belarusian players from competing in the UK this summer undermines this principle and the integrity of the ATP ranking system. It is also inconsistent with our rankings agreement. Absent a change in circumstances, it is with great regret and reluctance that we see no option to remove ATP ranking points from Wimbledon for 2022. Our rules and agreements exist in order to protect the rights of players as a whole. Unilateral decisions of this nature, if unaddressed, set a damaging precedent for the rest of the tour. Discrimination by individual tournaments is simply not viable on a tour that operates in more than 30 countries. The the statement goes on. There's also um, a, an FAQ, a, a, a frequently asked... Questions section released by the ACP um, in conjunction with this statement, which we'll come on to in a minute. That in in a minute there is some quite interesting stuff in there. Uh, following that, we had the ITF statement, which was. Um, extremely similar quite frankly they say uh, the itf has today confirmed its decision not to grant itf ranking points to wimbledon in 2022 for juniors and wheelchair events which form part of the grand slam tournament tournament organizers are not permitted to unilaterally impose every entry criteria inconsistent with the itf's published open entry criteria therefore in accordance with protocols etc etc and then last but by no means least we had the WTA statement um, which said the following... Sorry, not the statement, which says, Yuvan upsets Plishkova to reach fi- the final. Different statement, folks, different statement. Uh, no, this one, uh, in in the voice of uh, Steve Simon, WTA chairman and CEO, says, the atrocities happening to millions of innocent people in Ukraine because of Russia's unprovoked invasion are horrific and appalling. The WTA strongly condemns Russia's ongoing attack. First and foremost, we want nothing more than for peace and the war in Ukraine to end. Uh, Nearly 50 years ago, the WTA was founded on the fundamental principle that all players have an equal opportunity to compete based on merit and without discrimination. The WTA believes that individual athletes participating in an individual sport should not be penalised or prevented from competing solely because of their nationalities or the decisions made by the governments of their countries. So it's that discrimination word that that is popping up in all three statements. There's also a, an interesting section later on in the WTA statement saying, in addition, each of the WTA-sanctioned events, Nottingham, Birmingham and Eastbourne, will be penalised and their WTA tournament sanctions will be placed on probation. Since alternative and comparable playing and ranking point opportunities exist in the same weeks of those events for the affected players, WTA ranking points will remain in place for those Events and I think that that issue, Matt, the one of uh, the LTA event events that are taking the same policy as Wimbledon, is addressed. I think in the ATP. Yes, uh, it is. Q and A.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, one of the questions is how can you take points from Wimbledon and not and not the ATP events? And interestingly, it says it's a reality that as one of the biggest events in our sport, Wimbledon will continue to operate and attract players with or without ranking points. But removing ranking points at ATP Tour events brings a significant risk that these events may not run at all. Um, It would have damaging consequences for players and fans through the loss of valuable playing and earning opportunities. And then it mentions the point that the WTA statement also references that there are alternative ATP Tour events open to Russian and Belarusian players in those weeks, whereas there isn't during the Wimbledon fortnight. Um, I think generally this this FAQ is quite interesting. We've obviously heard about the main factors behind the decision. I think you could sum them up as being the integrity of the sport and the ranking system and also the precedent of unilateral decision-making by single bodies in tennis, in this case Wimbledon. I think what's interesting about the FAQs is it goes into some more detail about, firstly, the practicalities, what this will mean for points earned at Wimbledon. And it says that points earned at Wimbledon in 2021 will drop as normal, like they always do after 52 weeks, But there will also be no points from this year's Wimbledon, of course, as well. So that means come the end of Wimbledon, no player will have any points earned at Wimbledon on their ranking at all.
2: It means Matteo Bertini is going to drop like a stone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And of course, one of the ironies is that in terms of the players at the top of the rankings here, it might help. Medvedev get back to world number one because Novak Djokovic, even if he defends his Wimbledon title, is going to have zero points earned from Wimbledon when he should have 2,000 under normal circumstances. Um, the other interesting thing, I think, in the FAQs is that it has a look at some of the other options which were available to the ATP. Um, and, for example why didn't you opt to give ranking protection to the excluded players? Um, And it says providing ranking protection to the Russian and Belarusian players would not have maintained a level playing field for our players across the season in an adequate manner. So they decided to go with a clean no points at all, even though, as we know, some players will not agree with this decision. Um, And then the other really interesting part is that It talks about the potential for players to sign a declaration, which we talked about at the time when Wimbledon made its decision. And was that not an option which players were more amenable to as an alternative? Obviously, there was a lot of concern at the time that that would be dangerous for the players to sign some kind of declaration denouncing the Russian regime due to everything that we know about what Russia's put in place for people who denounced the regime. Well, this was the most detail I've heard on this so far. The FAQ said, the alternative option required players to declare that they would not express support for the invasion of Ukraine, the Russian or Belarusian regimes, or their leadership. It's important to clarify that there was no requirement to denounce the Russian regime, a risk that's unrealistic to expect any player to take. The informal guidance specifically states the government is not seeking a statement that is critical of the Russian regime to avoid the potential for any undue personal risk incurred by the sports people involved. Our discussions with Russian and Belarusian players made it clear that this alternative option would have been preferred. So this option as opposed to a ban of Russian players and Belarusian players at Wimbledon. The FAQ continues, we understand the LTA and Wimbledon had concerns about this course of action. However, we also note that this option is currently being offered to player support team members from Russia or Belarus. So there's an inconsistency there between how the rules actually have been applied. The FAQ continues, we would also like to highlight point one of the guidance which states, with regard to the participation of individuals in sporting events, The government's aim is to minimise the ability of Russian and Belarusian individuals to be seen to represent their nation and therefore deliver reputational and other benefits by association without unduly penalising those who truly intend to participate in in an entirely neutral capacity. The bottom line is there were various options on the table and a joint decision should have been reached together. Instead, the decision was made... In isolation. So I think those FAQs do help to clear up the ATP's stance on a number of the other sort of alternative paths here.
2: We've just had a statement drop from Wimbledon itself in response to the TOURS responses. Um, They say, we appreciate that opinions differ in relation to our decision. They go on to say, however, given the position taken by the UK government to limit Russia's global influence, which removed automatic entry by ranking and the widespread response of the government, industry, sport and creative institutions, we remain of the view that we have made the only viable decision for Wimbledon as a globally renowned sporting event and British institution." And we stand by the decision we have made. As we previously stated, after careful consideration against a variety of factors and bound to act in the accordance with the directive guidance from the UK government, we came to two firm conclusions that formed the basis for this decision. Firstly, we were not prepared to take any actions which could risk the potential safety of players or their families. We believe that requiring written declar- declarations from individual players and that would apply to all relevant players as a condition of entry, uh, would carry significant scrutiny and risk. And in addition, we remain unwilling to accept success or participation at Wimbledon being used to benefit the propaganda machine of the Russian regime, which through its closely controlled state media has an acknowledged history of using sporting success to support a triumphant narrative to the Russian people. Therefore, we wish to state our deep disappointment at the decisions taken by the ATP, WHA and ITF in removing ranking points for the championships. We believe these decisions to be disproportionate in the context of the exceptional and extreme circumstances. There's a lot to take in here, folks, isn't there? David, you haven't spoken in about 10 minutes. <laughs> what would you like to say? As you
0: say, a lot to take in and I'm taking it in, trying to, because... I don't think it's a huge surprise in many ways that the standoff is continuing. I don't think it is going to thaw any time soon. I don't think we're going to see any changes here. I think that ranking points will be removed. And the the suggestion from the tours that they are still open-minded to a hopefully a, a conclusion to this, a satisfactory conclusion that would allow them to, to put points back into the tournament... It's not going to happen. Wimbledon have made that very clear with their statement. This is a standoff and it is going to continue as such. I think it's probably in keeping with how impossible this situation is in so many different ways to, to feel strongly, certainly from my perspective, as to what is the right thing to do. And um, I think Wimbledon clearly feel incredibly strongly about it. And I, and I think that their view is that the majority, certainly of British citizens, think that the Tours have got this wrong, would think that this is ridiculous, that really this is a time of war and a stance needs to be taken for the wider context, not just in a sporting context.
2: But are they even referencing the support of the British... I mean, there's right and wrong aside from whether whether the British population support it. They're saying we think this is no, but this is right. I don't think... I mean, the, but they are the referencing, British public hasn't been polled. But
0: they are referencing that the UK government is basically telling them this is what they should be doing. And, you know, now...
2: But, they, but they, well, that was one of the things... I, I mean, we've literally just had that statement come in moments ago, I've pretty much read it to you as I was reading it the first time myself. They make two quite separate... And potentially contradictory points. There, they say, firstly, we were following government guidance, and then they go on to say we considered all the options and we made the decision for these two reasons. Now, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, I happen to agree with those two reasons. It's a fifty-one forty-nine for me. I think there is a completely a valid, valid argument against, but either you were just following the government guidance, or you've made made a principled decision. I, th- I think in in think context of free freedom of decision making
0: I think they've made a judgement call ultimately they have used the UK government guidance as part of their explanation for why they've made that decision but I don't think it's made in isolation I think that they can use it as a as a way to to sort of justify it but I think that this is something they feel strongly about they think that this is the mood I think within the country I do believe that they they take that into consideration
2: do we think the tours stances are undermined by the fact that they're not applying the same principle to the tour events that they are to wimbledon because that's basically an admission that this isn't purely a matter of principle
0: that bothers me i have Mm. to say I, i i i do feel that undermines the position i know that they've given a reasoning for it but my first reaction would was on hearing this well how can you not penalise your own events then, that are withdrawing the ability for Russian and Belarusian players to play? That sounds like you're you're punishing the others, not the ones that are on your direct tour, your sanctioned events. They would deny that, but but that's that's how it felt to me. I, I mean, that is an inconsistency that I'm not not entirely comfortable with. Yeah, it does
1: seem that they're reasoning on that is more, as I said, to do with the integrity of their own tour rather than some kind of moral stance that they're taking. If it was a purely moral stance, surely they would apply it to their own events and to Wimbledon as well. But they're sort of protecting themselves a little bit, I think, by just applying it to Wimbledon.
0: Mm.
2: I I, I personally take issue with the very... Unnuanced blanket use of the term discrimination um, in the tours statements entry into tournaments being based on merit without discrimination now i think what they mean is without unfair discrimination because discrimination happens all the time plenty of discrimination is is entirely fair we've recently had discrimination on the basis of vaccine status i think and i believe most reasonable people think that has been fair in the circumstances and the context there's it's not just any discrimination is unfair the WTA tour are currently discriminating against China again i believe fairly but that impacts chinese players they no longer get to play at home that is discrimination so i think just to say we we don't ever discriminate discrimination to to to, to against players or tournaments is is not in keeping with, with our principles and protocols. I think is simply not true. Now you might call that semantics, but to me it's slightly more than than semantics. It is simply a judgment call. People will support the WTA stance on China and not support the WTA stance on on this. But they are, they are just judgment calls, and they are both discrimination.
1: Yeah, and I think. I think that's ultimately it isn't it the the rights and wrongs of it are very difficult to agree on there are incredibly strong cases on both sides I think the really interesting aspect here for tennis is what this does to the relationship between the tours and the slams in the future as well I think because
2: do you mean the t7 Matt
1: something I learned about today
0: the t7 (laughs) oh yeah what's that I've been working in tennis 25 years what is it
2: the, the statements reference a T7 as if we all know what that is.
1: <laughs> and we have deduced that it means uh, the four slams, the ATP, the WTA and the ITF, the seven major
0: bodies It's like, you in know, tennis. in the
2: US office, the five families in the Scranton
0: Business Park. And the G, how many is
2: it? The G, well, it's the G8 now, G8. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's tennis's version of that. Mm. It's the sexy name for Tennis United. <laughs> it's the I mean, abbreviation. I
0: do get a bit fed up with reciting all of those uh, initials. What? You don't need to anymore, so, David. T7. T7. We're agreed. Thanks to whoever, whoever came up with that. Hmm. But, um, but look, I mean, I think the slams...
1: It'd be interesting to see what the other slams do now because obviously, you know, Medvedev was impressed today. Russians are playing at Roland Garros. Roland Garros is certainly not supporting Wimbledon in its actions but it might in its words and the US Open and the Australian Open might as well so i think there could be a knock-on effect here in terms of what what the US Open do what the Australian Open do whether they side with Wimbledon whether there causes you know so much friction that the slams decide to i don't know break away almost and from the tours i mean i think that's that that's an extreme case but these things can escalate and this move today by the tours is something which I could see having consequence down the line, I think.
0: All eyes on US Open mm. for me. I'm fascinated mm. to know what they will make of this and what, if anything, they decide to do themselves. Um, because, as you say, that, that could be another escalation of, of all of this. Um, and And ultimately where it goes with Wimbledon in the future because in a year's time we may well be in the same situation and um what what happens then
2: Wimbledon presumably will have been in discussions with the other slams do you think the fact that they're taking a an extremely uncompromising stance on this seemingly indicates that they th- they think they're not alone they they believe they will will have some support in this if not from the tours then from their their counterparts at the other slam events or do you think Wimbledon being the entity that it is is prepared to be the outlier
0: well I I think that they would probably have expected a better reception for this decision initially than it got generally Um, certainly within tennis and um, they didn't come out with too many allies publicly from that they they may have done within the country more generally outside of tennis but certainly i think uh, that might have taken them a bit by surprise um now that they've made their decision they've they clearly feel it's the right one i don't expect them to be going anywhere with it um in terms of a backward step but what will the french open say if asked about it this week um, normally, statements are forthcoming about these things. but They like to see themselves as as a group. If you remember when when the French Open decided to move itself in the calendar, the others came out and said they didn't agree with that. Um, and it was a, it was all the bodies, all the t- well, it was the T six, wasn't it? Um, coming out and saying we're not happy with the Roland Garros. So I, I'm just I am very interested to see now that we've had statements from all of these. Do the slams decide? In any way to get involved. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
2: Why weren't the statements joined? Why wasn't it joint statement? I haven't
0: got the foggiest. It was a great opportunity, actually, for it to be, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? they've made the same
2: decision they've clearly coordinated on that decision it's almost like they're going out of their way not to appear united in it which blows my mind Mm.
1: yeah the only answer i have to that question of why they weren't you know joint statements is tennis
2: hmm Let's spend two weeks talking about that sport, shall we, folks? Yeah, let's do, do that. Two solid
0: that, weeks. That's the way it works. Well, right. Matt, d- they managed to come out with a combined statement about Naomi Osaka. Yeah. A year, well, quite, yeah. Absolutely. They, quite. I, I said mean. to
2: Matt earlier, off the top of my head, I think I was just sitting here stewing about it, and I said, when was tennis's last joint statement? And Matt said, no, condemning Naomi Osaka last year. Now, look, maybe this leads us on nicely to media day chat, because... Mm. Naomi Osaka was one of many absolutely fascinating um, interviewees today in, in the press conference room. And one of the reasons for that is she talked so openly about what happened here last year. She said, I was really nervous about this press conference today. She said, I've been nervous about coming back here. I was nervous about seeing some of the people who my decisions this time last year impacted and she said look I don't think I handled it the best I think is how she put it Um, and it it was so engaging and so human and so interesting hearing her talk about that among many other things but she was clearly so nervous about that press conference at, at the start, warmed warmed up to it massively. But the, the first question comes from the moderator in these press conferences, which is a, a communications manager from the WTA that Naomi Osaka will know very well and it's invariably an extremely friendly, you know, easy put, put away volley of a question. And Osaka gave a very tense terse answer didn't she she was so obvious how uptight she was in that moment
1: yeah she was apprehensive you could see it on her face walking into the press conference and actually that initial question from the moderator I believe has pretty much come in as a result of Naomi Osaka talking about press conferences last year certainly that was when I first noticed it it was it was something that they introduced I think to just ease players into press conferences and make them a friendlier happier environment I suppose and that was something as well that Osaka was asked about you know has tennis moved on in the last 12 months are we doing more for players mental health and she said that there are certain things that she's seen you know in terms of sort of mental well-being spaces she she referenced the US open having one and i think roland garros as well this year
2: i'm open to invites <laughs> she, she
1: she wasn't saying the work's done and in the same way that she's still thinking back to what happened 12 months ago she's conscious that tennis has still got more to do i think um but yeah it was it was really interesting because of course she was going to feel this way she's someone who thinks incredibly deeply about things and feels things and coming back into a space which was incredibly unhappy for her last year was inevitable I think that it was going to trigger those emotions in her but she did say that she is feeling better than she was 12 months ago so I think herself has made a lot of personal progress in the last 12 months which she's very proud of i think
0: Uh, i i've kind of felt everybody in the room learned a little bit today Mm. um, about her and also about the situation that we were in a year ago because we were critical of her when she made that initial statement that she wasn't going to talk to the media we didn't like the way she did it and 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 said so um what followed just got out of hand and I certainly didn't want her feeling like she was feeling having to withdraw from the tournament. That was just an awful situation that could have been handled differently and avoided ultimately, I I feel. But what I loved about what she did today, and it was a, a theme in several of the interviews that, that I was in today, all with the female players, I have to say, was their their openness to address vulnerability and maybe... Things that hadn't gone so well, or things that they could have done differently, and whether on court or off court. And the way Osaka just came in and told us straight up, I've been pretty, pretty worried about this press conference because it's the first one since a year ago. And I, I know I could have handled things, I should have handled things differently and better last year. And that just felt like it broke the ice to me in the room. And everybody understands that it went bad and it it's it's sad that it did but there's there's, there's a better way to handle things in the future for, for 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 many of us i think
2: there were moments of real levity as well weren't there there was her revealing that uh, her coach Wim Fischer had, had told her just 2 hours before the press conference presumably on the practice court um that she had drawn Amanda Allison over in round 1 and uh, Osaka thought that that was a joke. <laughs> she was sort of, I don't really mind who I draw, but are you kidding? <laughs> um, although she did then reveal that she had had a nightmare. A nightmare <laughs> that, as an unseeded player, of course, she could have dr- drawn anybody um and she had a nightmare that she drew Igor vontech in the, in the first round and so she said that didn't happen <laughs> so everything's a win her her nightmares bear a lot more relation to reality than than mine do there's no no mention of sort of 6 foot killer spiders <laughs> or plane crashes <laughs> just getting a bad draw in a tennis tournament which presumably happens to her all the time <laughs>
1: And there was a moment of levity in the Japanese portion of the press conference, which she takes the question in Japanese, responds in English. She's been doing that for a few years now, so most people stay to listen to that as well. And she was breaking down the matchup against Anisimova and she, she started revealing that actually she felt that she hit a bigger ball than Anisimova and playing her on clay as opposed to hardcore like they played on at the Australian Open might actually be to her advantage and she was sort of running away with her thoughts on this and then suddenly caught herself and said oh I don't know why I'm telling you this this is uh, (laughs) this is my tactics this is my thinking and then she just stopped her answer there and then but it was an interesting analysis from her I think and so many of these players have a way of talking that just gets me nodding along and believing in them and Look, she, she's clearly not 100% fit. She said she's got a niggle, she's going to be popping painkillers. She
2: said, I was never not going to play this tournament. When asked about the injury, she said, yeah, look, it's not it's not ideal, but I was never not going to play this tournament.
0: She, she also reminded us of one of her lines that I've heard before, which I always appreciate, which is saying that she's always keen... To face players who've beaten her previously. Mm. There's a re- you know, as the mark of a champion, I mean, isn't it? I love it. I love it when a journalist says, "Oh, were you looking for revenge?" And so often players go, oh, "Tennis isn't about revenge." Uh, yeah, and I
2: just focus on my game. <laughs>
0: and, and she, she, no, it's not, it's not an aggressive thing. It's just a sort of I want to challenge myself and show that I can beat that player who beat me, and I'm more motivated as a direct result. I love all that.
2: Mm yeah it's brilliant i mean i i i left that press press conference feeling guilty that i had predicted that she would lose in round 1 yeah me too yeah
0: <laughs> has anything changed
2: no because as matt pointed out those media days always make you doubt your predictions always and you can talk yourself into a frenzy which is why <laughs> i i knocked off my predictions on my phone um, while we were waiting for Emma Adekanu, uh, who was our first appointment of the day, to come into the press conference room, because you can just think yourself around in circles and spend too much time, so I did it quickly, got it out of the way, um, and then regretted all of my choices at various points throughout the day but, as you said Matt that is what Media Day does to you, these people come in and say oh I'm so pumped for the French <laughs> Open and then, you know 24 hours later, they've lost. Daniil Medvedev came in and said, yeah, I'm feeling great. I mean, for a guy whose one result on clay this year is a loss to Richard Gasquet and very recently had a hernia removed. He had me thinking, oh, maybe he could win it.
0: That Richard Gasquet result had me picking Richard Gasquet for the title. (laughs) And he lost today against uh, Joao Sosa. Mm. Heavily.
2: Yeah. No, I don't think... My rational brain doesn't think Daniil Medvedev is going to win the French Open. But... You know, there was a moment while he was speaking where I thought, oh, okay.
1: Was it when he said to you, I'm dreaming again? Yes. Mm.
2: That was good, wasn't it? It
1: was a great
0: line. Yeah, well, and that was in direct answer to your question, referencing his final press conference at the Australian Open when he was so. He was soul searching, wasn't he? And well, he, he was. D- he
2: delivered a monologue. As as Ma i was reminded of it because, you know, we sat down in the press conference room at the start of the day waiting for emira Kano and Matt sort of had this moment of realisation that the last time we were in a press conference room was was listening to Danil Medvedev deliver that extraordinary soliloquy. Um so I asked him whether he still feels the same as he did when he delivered that soliloquy um, and he basically said no <laughs> he said it was heat of the moment I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing but he basically said that was a very low moment in my career um, no I don't feel that way he, 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 he meanderingly got to a pithy amazing line which was I'm dreaming again
1: and off the back of that I asked him whether obviously no one wants to be injured but I just thought whether there was any kind of positive to come from the fact that he had an enforced break. And he basically said, yes, you know, it was a chance to recharge the batteries and I think just feel better about tennis again. He was, he was jaded, I think, after the Australian Open final. That was a bruising defeat. He then went into a series of tournaments where we know he was playing in some kind of pain because of his hernia.
2: And as he pointed out to you, he's, he hasn't really had an injury He's yeah. never had an enforced period on the sidelines. He said, oh, I think maybe I had a niggle in 2017, which caused me to take a week off. But he, he's, it's been relentless for him.
1: Yeah, and have we've, we've praised players, haven't we, for prioritising their health, be it mental or physical, and saying, I need a break. And look, this was an enforced break for Medvedev. I think he would have kept playing had he not had the hernia. But at the same time, you know, there maybe were some benefits that came with it.
2: Is that what Paula Bedosa needs?
1: Yes, I think so. Um, and actually, you she, need
2: an injury, Paula. <laughs> sort it out.
1: She, she said in the in in Spanish this week that she wished she hadn't played one of the clay court events that she did play. You know, uh, she she didn't reveal which one it was, but I got the sense maybe it was Madrid. And she didn't want to say that because it's the home event.
2: Well, she said even today, didn't she? Play, you know, she was asked about her form and she sort of went through the clay court season chronologically for us and, and she just said playing at home is hard. And mm. I don't think she liked that.
1: No, and she's talked a lot about increased expectations specifically from the outside and how tough it's been. And one of the measures she's taken is to come off social media you know she said i'm i'm mean enough to myself i don't need to see other people putting me down and i realized that social media is is taking more than it's giving you know in terms of my life and so she's she's totally come off it so you know if you're tagging her on there and she's not replying that is why that's a that's a coping mechanism that that she's taken at what has been you know a difficult time even though the results haven't been awful they've just not been I think what we think they could have been what she thinks they could have been
0: and she confirmed what we suspected really in her answers today and again that's what I really appreciated from these players and I think it's healthy that both Osaka and Barossa were open enough to say yeah actually this this happened to me and and the status in Barossa's case that she's attained over the last 12 months has impacted her ability to compete just at the moment, and she's trying to work it. She's trying to work it out. This is not something she'd had before to be right at the top. People talking about her. Then she believes that those things because she's playing that level. And then maybe it doesn't happen one week, and then it gets harder. Mm.
2: Yeah. Well, I've still got her in my quarterfinal. Gonna... <laughs> I regretted. That at the end of the day, um, we had a lot of Igor Svantek today, didn't we? Because we had a, a brilliant press conference with her, and then she made a cameo in Ange jabeurs press conference Did as she? well, which might have been the moment of the day.
0: Oh, great! Actually. I missed that bit. <laughs> yeah. I was too busy trying to find the restaurant for you. <laughs>
2: you were, um, yeah, it was really lovely, wasn't it? She'd left her water bottle, um, in the press conference room, and uh, Ange jabeur was busy answering some other question. Iga Svantec pokes her head in and tries to sort of creep, <laughs> creep to where she's left the water bottle, which is obviously right where Ons is sitting, as if she thought that people might not notice the world number one just creeping across the room. And Ons Bowe, of course, handled it all brilliantly and said, "Egor, they've just asked me how I can possibly beat you. What's the answer? And quick as anything... Eager, she it. Holds up a water bottle and said, "says you should have put something in this, maybe." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then Ons was like, "Yeah, because the drop shot didn't work." <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was honestly, you you couldn't have scripted it.
1: It was wonderful. Any
2: better? Yeah, it was really <laughs> lovely. I mean, both of them individually were fantastic. Impressed today. I mean, Ons Jabeur is. I'm running out of words for how impressive Ons Jabeur is. She's just, just brilliant isn't she
1: 20 minute press conference three languages uh, english french and arabic and in the french portion she gave this incredible line about how tunisians now react to her winning tennis matches and tournaments in the same way they react to the tunisian team winning a football match and she said that is such a force for me and uh, you know a reason for pride and that is that is why i play basically um we've talked about how she plays for more than herself and what i find so fascinating about that is she recognizes all of that and yet there is this singular determination to her career you know the way she's built her career has been taking bits and Pieces of advice from different coaches it's been forging her own path without anything being handed to her and she's got this incredibly invid- individualistic game as well with the drop shots and the slice no one else is like Jabeur, and yet she recognizes the sort of wider influence and impact of her tennis as well it's it's an incredible thing I think and um she laid out her goals again for the season, didn't she? Top five, more titles, and a grand, and, and slam. A grand slam. Just stick that on. Wow, well,
0: I, yeah. I find it interesting, and I will be really interested to track her next three grand slam tournaments because, based on what we've just been saying about I almost feel like maybe the opposite is true for Ons Jabeur. You know that she. And this is this is the now, unknown.
2: Now's the moment.
0: Yeah, but this is the unknown. I, I've questioned whether, because she's now being looked at, is she going to start to struggle with that? The way she handled that press conference, I know I didn't see all of it, but the, the way it lasted 20 minutes, and then I saw her do a one-on-one with Russell Fuller from the BBC, and she's like helping him out with a microphone, and setting them all up, and just wants to talk. Wants to talk and tell her story, and embrace these moments, and embrace the impact she's having at home and i wonder whether that may have the opposite effect to what it's had on barossa and just energize her Mm. inspire her to to even better results
1: well i asked her whether she feels in a rush or in a hurry to sort of capitalize on this moment that she's in now and win a grand slam in this form obviously you know there's Igoshevantech to contend with but Igoshevantech side Ons Jabur is the form player at the moment and the idea of rushing and being in a hurry is so contrary to Jabur's whole career isn't it which has been step by step it's been year on year progression but I do think I do think she does feel now is the moment a little bit obviously she's not putting that pressure on herself but she said semi-finals is what you know that's kind of absolutely where i need to be getting that's where i would be happy i think she has raised the bar of her own expectations and she realizes that yeah it's kind of her time because you never know how how long I'm, a moment's going to last in tennis i'm
2: going to say two words and then we're going to move on jeppe wimbledon
0: mm. well having seen her beat Gabinia Magaruta last year and commentated on that match
2: I think she she might win it this year one of the highlights
0: of of the year year last year there was a moment
2: in the press conference today where she was asked about Melanie Maillard the um, mental coach that she's been working with she's been working with her for a long time but she's only been on site with her at two events and that was Wimbledon last year her first Grand Slam quarterfinal and Madrid this year that she won, obviously. Both incredible both probably the two along with winning her, her first title, the two biggest breakthroughs of her career. And she was asked whether Melanie is on site with her here, which she's not, but she's booked in for Wimbledon. She said she'll be with me at Wimbledon. And then she paused for a moment and she said, And that's big. Yeah. And I suddenly just thought <laughs> look, Shvante can play on grass. She's a former junior champion. But she's not going to be as over, regardless of what happens here, she's not going to be as overwhelming a favourite as she is for, for the French Open right now.
0: It's going to be it's interesting, a, though, isn't it? I feel it. I mean... This I, is Catherine getting swept
1: up by mm. people saying things on media Yes, it Part is. seven,
0: <laughs> eight. Let's not forget Sveantek's answer to you about Ash Barty today, mm. when you asked her about how she felt in the moment that Ash Barty and what life was like for her when she retired and left... She in this position of having to carry the mantle. It was a great, great question and a really good answer, just the way she she described it and how, how she said she felt a bit overwhelmed at first.
2: She's scared, didn't she? So mm. scared, scared and, and overwhelmed. overwhelmed, yeah. And then it was almost like she went, okay, I've had my time feeling that way. I'm going to... Do
0: some winning now. Go do,
2: just, I'm off to do some winning. <laughs> and she hasn't come back.
0: And, and when she was asked to describe what life's like now and the way people react to her she came up with a lovely little line at the end she says it's there's nothing specific that people do and in, in in dealing with you and meeting you but you can feel it in the air that you're the world number one and that everybody's aware of it and i and i i just i love the fact that she seems to be embracing it and um I'm still a bit concerned that that at some point she may feel that uh, because I think that she's maybe almost halfway between the way Badassa and Jabir are feeling right now. I think she's she's at the sweet spot right now, but the pressure is going to grow, and she, and it's I don't it's very difficult to deal with a streak. She was trying to say, look, the streak is going to end at some point, and I don't want to be devastated when it does. But I I think it's Having seen her in those moments when players have made even just a little spurt against her, the relief and and that she showed upon winning makes me think that she almost needs to win these matches easily. I'm not completely convinced she will be at home when if a dogfight does come.
2: Well, the there were moments during during Rome where it didn't take much for her to look extremely down on herself. Mm. I mean. It, it rarely reflected in her tennis um, but in her body language on the court it, there were still moments of real f- brittleness I think you know it only took one unforced error or one poor shot selection suddenly she 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 looked like oh it's all gonna fall apart now she's got such baked in confidence that it it doesn't all fall apart but you're right that you know someone can ask the right questions. It's not. It is not a foregone conclusion, folks. No, but that that <laughs> is, one, is. <laughs> one
0: of the great fascinations is who is going to be able to ask those questions, get close enough. Yeah, mm. it's, it's it's an if 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 situation, isn't it?
1: If you can ask the right questions, just bringing us. Does on Does that on to bring someone us else. on
2: nicely to Raphael <laughs> Nadal, who was, who is, and um, we said this throughout throughout Melbourne, didn't we? But he's unmissable. In well, press conferences now. I didn't,
0: Unmissable. I didn't really understand what you meant because I wasn't in Melbourne and I always, I I, it brought it back to me having seen him today what, what you were referencing because I, I couldn't relate to this person. I, I hadn't been to a Raphael our press conference probably for two and a half years because of the pandemic and I can only say today, he was a card. He His comic <laughs> timing was extraordinary to me. I had not seen that before and I've, I've Dealt with Nadal, either in press conferences or dealt with him a little bit once. I've never seen that side to him. I mean, I'm sure it's always been there. It's just never. I feel
2: like they should, you know, dish out shots at the start (laughs) of his press conferences and just, you know, say, "Settle in, guys. This is you're going to have a good night." (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, and he he would just bring them out out of nowhere. I mean, a a, a couple. Give us a couple of the best ones. I I think one of my favourites was in answer to your question. Catherine, um about football
2: yes it looked like the answer to that was going very badly indeed (laughs) yes
0: he set you up he
2: saved me (laughs) at the last moment (laughs) um i asked it quite early on because i knew that there was going to be so much demand to ask him questions and i felt a bit nervous about that to sort of move the conversation on from serious tennis topics to frivolous football topics so quickly but anyway Um, you know I said look there's a really big football match it was actually Matt's question Um, uh, yeah there's obviously a very big football match that you're very invested in that happens to be very conveniently located um, next Saturday have you made any sort of scheduling request or do you intend to to make sure you are available for that football match and at first I thought oh god is that an eye roll (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did think I the same. Ki- My eye roll detectors are finely tuned, yep. folks. Oh, no she knows eye rolls. <laughs> um, and he sort of said, "I, I am here to play Roland Garros," and I'm like, "Oh god, this, <laughs> this has gone terribly."
1: Um, this is why I to you to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he
2: said, "I'm here for tennis," and then there's a pause during which time I'm feeling my soul slide out <laughs> of my ass, <arse>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he goes. But I have my tickets already, <laughs> 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 and it was brilliant. It was, it, and it wasn't. It wasn't even the best. The best answer. Everybody laughed, didn't they? I,
0: another good one was um, Matt Futterman from the New York Times is here, and he was he was asking questions in most of the press conferences, and he he was asking. Nadal, he was putting something that Alexander Zverev had said earlier on in the press conferences about how he had been standing courtside for Nadal's practice section alongside his coach, Sergio Bruguera, and they were watching Nadal hitting what he said, and I'm sure this was exaggeration, but he said 20 miles an hour faster in practice here at Roland Garros because it's Roland Garros, that this place changes him, makes him a better player, and that he was 30% lighter uh, on, on, on his feet and a and, and 30% better player because of, of playing here. And the, da- the Dals said to him, uh, to Matt Futterman, so is he saying that I'm 30% better than better in this place or 30% better than all the other players? <laughs> and Matt said, well, that wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? And, uh, and the Dals looked at him and he said, yeah, I mean, once upon a time, maybe I was. <laughs> 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 a few years ago, I was.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's it's so it's so rare for Nadal to acknowledge his own mm. brilliance. You know, there were some examples of course, but to do it like that in a really funny way it was just just magic. He, he
2: actually tried to do humility, didn't he? He went, uh, 30s thirty seven better than other posts. No, no, no. And then stopped himself and went, Oh well actually yeah. maybe a few years ago. <laughs> and he was like,
0: That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day when I was a lad.
2: <laughs> um, look, the foot's the foot's not right, is it? The foot will never be right. It's a question of of pain management. Um, he, you know, he sounded fairly optimistic in the English portion of his press conference. He gave slightly more away, I think, Matt, in, in the Spanish portion.
1: Well, he was asked to directly compare how he's feeling coming into Roland Garros compared to how, he's fe- how he felt coming into the Australian Open this year. And, you know, it was quite a long comparison. But the main thing he said was the foot was better in Australia. You know, there were other problems in Australia. I hadn't played, I hadn't practised that much, but the foot was better. Um, but the point he kept saying, and my big sort of belief takeaway from, from the press conferences, the player I had more belief in after the press conferences than before, was Nadal. And the reason was that he said, in sport, things can change quickly you know one moment something can, can seem impossible and then a couple of days later it can seem possible again and nadal knows that himself because the australian open felt impossible at many different points this year and he has an ability to accept that and just be ready for if it is possible again and nadal will be ready if if nadal is if if, if nadal is <laughs> physically okay he will be ready to capitalise on that, and yeah, I just, I just left feeling like I believe in Nadal more than when I went in, oh, no. even though he was saying some, <laughs> some pretty stark things about how he's feeling.
2: He, um, he was happy to talk about his draw, wasn't he? With a bit of a glint in his eye. Or, I mean, his draw is the draw, isn't it? I mean, what, what we mean by the draw is the three of them being all in the same half of the draw. He was. He was happy to reveal that he was well aware of that and, you know, knew what we were all getting at when we asked him about his draw. Djokovic was asked pretty much the same question, was was not for drawing on it, was he? Didn't want to get into it.
0: Well, his statement really was to almost jokingly blanket by saying, yeah, uh, I, when he was asked about his draw, he talked about, the left-hander he was playing in the first round, which wasn't ideal because he was practicing with right-handers. End of quote. Mm. And so <laughs> then, then it was moved on to another subject. It was it was game face on from Djokovic. Yeah, there wasn't was the
1: entire press conference. i yeah, there were him be there were a couple of more topics that, than that
2: you know he can even if he th- some moods that you can find him in even if he doesn't you know want to give you something really quotable on a topic he'll talk around it you know he's such a great talker in so many different languages he can talk around something and you know make, make you feel this. like you're getting something from him but today he just for whatever reason wasn't having that and just said pretty much no
0: i'd almost like that yeah. you know don't waste our time we won't waste yours you know you say ultimately what you want to say and then you could see he was thinking right just get me out there just mm. get me out there and then we'll see that was the that was the gist I was getting yeah. from him.
2: There, there was a lot of um, sort of oblique references to Alcaraz uh, from a number of different players, uh, and about sort of the subtext was, "You'll see, kid. Grand Slam tennis is different." Well, what was meant for The
1: famous Carlos the Alcaraz. The famous
2: Carlos Alcaraz. <laughs> it was amazing because we'd had a few, hadn't we? Um, you know, Zverev was asked about his comments after the Madrid final. <laughs> <laughs> saying, you know, Alcaraz is the best player in the world right now. He was asked...
0: He rode back on that one pretty soon. He did, didn't sharpish. he? He, say,
2: he basically said, yeah, kids, you'll learn in five-set tennis is different. He,
0: he, and, he very, he very um, clearly put himself in the bracket with Alcaraz and Nadal and Djokovic, which, I mean, look, you don't expect him to just assume he's going to lose, but he, he was straight up saying that I'm one of the big four in the top half, basically, is what he was getting at.
2: And if there is a big four in the top half, he is in it. Yeah, but he's not there just four. isn't a big four he's in a the top half. I distant
0: don't think. four. Correct
1: take.
2: Yes. Um anything else from, from I mean there was there was loads else from Media Day. It was it was gold, all of it. But um given that politics have occupied quite a lot of our time this evening, um shall we get this show off the road once again and conserve our energy for the fortnight of joy to come. Yeah. David definitely needs to conserve some energy
0: because you've, <laughs> you've
2: gone very hard very early, David.
0: I'm really trying hard. <laughs> Pace yourself, Law.
2: No, look, it is... Um, I'd forgotten how nice Roland Garros is, and it's, it's got nicer. Court Philippe Châtrier, that's the first time... I have experienced it since the renovations in person, and it's beautiful. It is much improved. David, you were really struck by it oh, today, weren't the, you?
0: The, sitting in the press seats in Philippe Chatrier, uh, I, now I hadn't been in its predecessor, and I've only ever seen it on TV. But what a beautiful stadium! And um, what a, I mean, aside from just the lovely architecture, it also feels like it just works as an as an. Environment to watch tennis I, I was thinking if you were a ticket holder in here and it wouldn 't matter how high up you were in the in the seats you 're going to get a good view you 're going to get great sound, and the thought of it being full it was they 're doing a lovely thing here with the practice sessions of of letting fans come in and and it was i think for nadal 's practice session the other day it was more than half full um, and you know they 're smashing fans around today, but the thought of an intense match inside that stadium when it's full. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> I can't right. David up.
2: You're going to get it, David. You're going to get it very soon. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow is kids day.
0: Oh, I'm going to go to that too.
2: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Catherine, <There's, laughs> Catherine's having a Look, day in their flat. I'll say it again. I think kids day is a wonderful thing. I'm so glad it exists. I, I support it. I'll, They'll die on that hill. I don't ever want to go near it. Though so. <laughs> um,
0: I'll go for you tomorrow.
2: You'll go for me. We won't record a daily show about Kids Day because it would just be me being grumpy. <laughs> Um, People might and, like that. And you get, you get, I reckon you get enough of that, quite frankly. <laughs> but we are recording our second edition of Roland Garros Tennis Relived tomorrow, the Amelie Moresmo story. So, Friends of the Tennis podcast will be getting their second Roland Garros Relived of the year. That'll be up tomorrow. We can't wait to record it. We've uh, got brilliant audio from Marion Bartoli and Yannick Noah. We've been really trying to get to know. Who Amelie Moresmo is and what will make her tick as a as a tournament director and what used to make her tick as a tennis player. So that's the Amelie Moresmo story for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. If you want to become a friend, uh, then you can do so. The link is in our show notes. It is because of Friends of the Pod that we are here in Paris enjoying Raphael Nadal's jokes. So <laughs> thank you to all of you for making that happen. We hope you we do you justice with these daily pods over the next couple of weeks we have our Roland Garros mascot Cooper the Cat owned by Drew and David thank you Drew, David and Cooper for right, being Cooper. in our lives we have our mascots Darwin, Carter and Gerald the Cat no longer with us Carter, our die is cast
0: Darwin, is done. I'm going to deliver for you this week Darwin, I'm <laughs> telling you you are me uh, no we more have, gas
2: We have <laughs> our executive producers, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. And we have shout outs, Matt.
1: We have Kate Summerfield from London. Right, oh, Kate. A
2: lot like Kate, Kate Somerville.
1: Sorry, I've totally read that wrong. Katie Summerfield.
2: Oh, still quite a lot like Kate
1: <laughs> Somerville.
0: <laughs> right, Katie. Who's... We had a Summerfield the other day. Yes. Because you made A Kevin Summerfield joke. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Former Albion striker. Uh, that's job. Uh. Albion, my football team. They're not very good. He was even worse.
2: And I've made a skincare <laughs> not even joke. So But I anyway. really like Katie Summerfield. Yes. Thank you, Katie, for your support. Katie Volleynet. that's a Katie. Tennis Katie. Yeah. Thank you very much. Katie Bolter. Katie Swan. Katie Swan. <laughs>
1: Feeling under pressure to come on with a Katie. Them.
2: No, no, we've got three, Matt. Okay. We're good. Great. thank you, Katie.
1: Um, we have Eric Chu from West Sacramento like, in California,
0: like
2: Eric Buterac guys. <laughs> yeah,
0: high up at the US Open these days, and used to be part of a team name that he called Stretch and Booty. Uh, him and Jamie Murray back in the mid two thousands. Mm. Matt's looking at me as like, was I alive? <laughs> no, just, I love it when you
1: suddenly remember something that you've not thought about
0: for about 15 years. Yes,
1: it's a great moment.
2: Thank you, Eric, for your support. West Sacramento sounds lovely.
1: Yeah, cheers, Eric. And last but by no means least, we have Carrie Kaplan, who is Darwin's owner. Hey! Oh. Good on you, Carrie.
2: Hello, Carrie.
1: Carrie's in New York, and uh, she adds that. She played tennis for the first time at 38 and is now just obsessed with it and Aww. all the family is too.
0: That's brilliant.
2: Mm. That's really great. Mm. Oh.
0: Mm. See, Darwin's owner.
2: Love it. Thank you, Carrie, and thank you for bringing Darwin into our lives as well. Do, uh, do get in touch and let us know how you think David is performing for your beloved pet. Put- Mocks out of 10 are oh, welcome. She
0: intends to sponsor <laughs> someone else next year. I cannot <laughs> believe you picked me, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Carrie, thank you. Thank you to all our friends of the tennis podcast. We're so tough to be here. We're so tough to be making these pods. We'll be back with another daily pod on Sunday, day one of Roland Garros 2022. And of course, the Amelie Moresmo story for Friends of the Pod coming to you tomorrow. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs>